afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism. As we consider together from the Word of God what we confess in the Apostles' Creed, come to the part of the suffering of Jesus Christ that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. If you'd like to read along, you can find Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism on page 529 in the Book of Praise. It's in the pew in front of you. Here the church confesses, what do you confess when you say that he suffered? During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus, by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge, and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes. Thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when you hear the word suffering, what do you think of? Many of us think about the things in this life that make us sad, like wars, living as refugees, violence, poverty, health concerns, unemployment, being bullied or excluded, loneliness or injustice. And so when we seek to understand the significance of our confession and we ask what we mean when we say that Christ suffered, the answer might seem obvious. Since Jesus had come to this earth to die, he missed out on the blessings of a settled life that we take for granted, such as a home, wife and kids, regular job, time for just relaxing. In addition to this, as we study the Gospels, we see that he was actually constantly opposed by the church leaders, eventually beaten and crucified on a cross. We see that suffering. However, if that's all that's meant by our confession of Christ's suffering, then we also need to confess that there are people in the world who suffer more than he did. We could think of people suffering from uh, we could think of people suffering from things like extreme poverty. They're digging through the dirt for little bugs just to stay alive. People who are dying of hunger. People with mental disorders. People trapped in self-destructive addictions. Suffering from sexual abuse. People suffering because of the forced separation of families and Think of all the different kinds of torture that the gospel never mentions as being a part of Jesus' experience. 
You can almost imagine when people in hardships like this ask the question, what does it mean that Christ suffered? They would be asking it because it appeared that compared to what they're facing, Jesus had it easy, except perhaps for the crucifixion part. But when we turn to the scriptures to try to understand what we mean when we confess that Jesus suffered, we see that the key to understanding the nature of Jesus' suffering is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. In this text, we learn that Jesus' suffering was unique. It was different than any human could possibly experience here on the earth because it went far beyond just physical suffering or even emotional torture. Unlike the rest of fallen mankind, Jesus was made to be something he was not, sin, to bear the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race in punishment for sin that he had not committed in order to save other people from everlasting damnation. This is the gospel of Christ's suffering that I preached to you under the theme, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We'll see that what you deserve, he endured. And what you enjoy, he obtained. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, God cursed the ground because of them. In our confession, we refer to that curse which lay on us. Sin was the cause of the curse. And the curse that lay upon all flesh is the cause of much suffering in this life. The things that were created, the people who were created to live in harmony and peace began to suffer degeneration under the curse. People became selfish, violent, liars. Animals became a threat. Our human bodies and our minds grew weaker from one generation to the next. And after all these years, today, 2021, we see the consequences of these centuries and centuries of, of life after the fall and the large number of starving people, addicts in despair, racist-driven hatred, and wars that destroy ordinary life for millions of people around the world. And the scriptures teach us that our Lord Jesus entered this world that was under the curse, and he suffered during all the time he lived on earth just like his brothers and sisters. That's why he was praying to the Lord, his Father in heaven, constantly. He experienced what it means to be a dependent creature. And he saw the frailty of life after the fall into sin and the curse. For he had not counted equality with God a thing to be grasped, said Philippians 2. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. In many ways, Jesus suffered with us. Call it like sympathetic suffering. And he is equipped as a merciful and faithful high priest. And yet there is more to Jesus' suffering than just a passive experience of the sorrows found in a fallen world. For he actually didn't just deal with the result of sin, the curse, but he dealt with the cause of of the curse, which is sin. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, explains how God did this when it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The language that the Holy Spirit used can only be understood if you know about the Old Testament sin offering. In this offering, an animal without blemish was made to be sin when people who believed in God's promises symbolically transferred their sins onto the animal by laying their hands on the animal's head and confessing every sinful thing they had done. The sacrifice that had been made to be sin then became the objects of God, the object of God's wrath, which was redirected from the person who had committed the sins and then on to the animal sacrifice. The worshipers then could see very clearly what their sins deserved when they looked upon the blood of the slaughtered animal. And they could rejoice in the grace of their God who was willing to accept the, the death of a substitute in their place. To understand this, or maybe to picture it, you can imagine a table full of, of magnets that all have these metal sharp shavings attached to them that covering these little magnets all over Compare the magnets to people after the fall and the metal shavings are like sins that hide our true beauty and make it difficult for, for us to get close to one another to be useful for anything more. Well, how can you clean up this mess? You do, you put a very strong magnet onto the table and, that, and as you move the smaller magnets closer to that strong magnets, all the shavings leave the small magnet and go to the big one, which they have been attracted. Although the big magnet had no shavings attached to it when it was placed on the table, it takes all the, those metal shavings upon itself and leaves the other magnets clean. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 makes a connection between the sin offering in the Old Testament, and you can have that picture of the magnets in your mind, that picture of the sin offering and Jesus Christ's atoning work on the cross. When God made Christ Jesus to be sin, that means that Jesus became a sin offering, taking the place of all the animal uh, sin offerings in the Old Testament. When the Holy Spirit says that God made him to be sin who had no sin, he is teaching us that God placed the guilt of all those, those sins that we confess and placing it upon Christ, his son, who was innocent. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, reminds us that he was the righteous who came for the unrighteous. And then Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Although he was innocent and at one point in the glory he had with the Father in heaven, he entered our world and took all our sins upon himself so that he alone might bear the burden of God's wrath for everyone who believes in him. No human being will ever fully understand the terrible horror of being under the eternal wrath of God against the sins of the whole human race. No human being can understand the depth of the Son of God's love when he voluntarily gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. We cannot, we, we can look at the suffering that we read about in the Gospels that Jesus endured on the earth. 
We can think about the crucifixion. In fact, if you travel to, to some countries around Good Friday, there are people who will even be crucified to, to sympathize with Christ and his suffering. We can, we can see these things. We can think about these physical sufferings. We can try and imagine Christ's sadness at being treated so unjustly and never understood. But we cannot base our understanding of Christ's suffering on anything we could experience in this life. What we confess about Christ's suffering is simply an article of faith. We're just repeating what the Bible teaches to us. It's, it's again something that even goes beyond our full comprehension. The Creator who had made man men and women good and in his image with the command to glorify him. The Lord whose holiness shines out like an exposing light and whose eyes see right through to, to the soul. Yes, God, whose anger and hatred of sin is so clearly pronounced throughout Scripture, he poured out his eternal wrath upon his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was made to be sin, and the sun stopped shining. And God Almighty turned his back on his only son. Jesus Christ hung there, all alone, cursed, like a crucified one, so small in this huge universe. The witnesses could hear his agonized cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he died. God forsook his son, Jesus Christ. Because God could not leave the guilt that you were born with or the sins that you committed to go unpunished. God saw your eternal life when he sent his son. And when we speak, when we see the unspeakable anguish and pain and terror and agony that our Lord Jesus endured throughout all his sufferings, but especially on the cross, we also can see what our sins deserve. Like the Old Testament sacrificer seeing the, the slain animal realizing what his sins deserved, we too see Christ and see what our sins deserve. And the gospel message is that you didn't suffer what you deserved. What you deserved, he endured. Now sometimes in our pride, we may kind of look down on people who are what we might consider greater sinners than we are. We might even feel that although we both need it the same, murderers and thieves and sexually immoral people deserve, deserve salvation in Christ less than we do. And that's when we remember our confession. We confess, I too am guilty and worthy of the damnation that Jesus Christ bore for me. And as we remember his death until he comes in the sacraments, we also remember that the Son of God came to suffer and die because the Lord did not want our sins to separate us from him eternally. He wanted the ministry of reconciliation, the preaching 
of peace to fill our lives with joy. The Lord Jesus came to suffer for us. He came in our place as the only atoning sacrifice in order to redeem our body and soul from everlasting damnation under the severe judgment of God. In order to restore us to fellowship and life with God our Creator. And even as we are somber to think of the suffering of Christ and what we deserve, he also points us to that good news, the gospel, what we enjoy, he earned. Article 20 of the Belgian Confession describes the work of Christ in a most beautiful way. God therefore manifested his justice against his Son when he laid our iniquity on him and poured out his goodness and mercy on us who were guilty and worthy of damnation. Do you see how we confess that God is unfair in the treatment of the sinners who put their faith in Jesus Christ? Our iniquity was placed on him who was innocent, but God's goodness and his mercy is poured out on us who were guilty and confessed our sins before the Lord. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are by nature unrighteous, and only Christ is righteous. Yet by God's grace, he counts Christ's righteousness as the righteousness of Christians. So now we can talk about being righteous in God's sight. This is only possible because Christ's suffering was different than the suffering of any creature since he was punished in our place, since he was punished as our substitute. Only the Son of God, only Jesus Christ was able to suffer for others and so bring them out from under the curse and into God's blessing. And as a result, whenever we talk about the suffering of Jesus Christ, we have to always speak about the wonderful benefit that believers receive as a result of his suffering. We confess, through him we obtain immortality and life eternal. We can enjoy what he earned. We rejoice in the gospel of God's undeserved mercy. The Holy Spirit says in Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All the condemnation that you see that Christ endured for you in your place is condemnation that we who believe in him never have to suffer. At the same time, all that he gained by his resurrection and life are now blessings that we may live in. It's good to meditate on the blessings that Christ has obtained for you by his suffering. We confess we've been shown the grace of God rather than his anger and punishment. We can look to God in heaven, believers in Jesus Christ who already paid for our sins. So we can look to him confident and unashamed. That's the ministry of reconciliation that we proclaim. We know his love for us in Jesus Christ. We can know for certain, certain that he wants us to be with him for all eternity. And we know that because 
he made him who had no sin to be sin for us. For us. That means in our place. That also means that we are now righteous in God's sight. In God's eyes through Christ, it is as though we never had nor committed any sin. That's why there's such a close connection between Christ's suffering and shed blood on the cross and our fellowship with God in heaven forever. By his suffering, Christ obtained eternal life for you who repent from your sins, who believe in him, who confess your sins to him. And we can confess our sins with confidence and with honesty. No matter what you have done, there is a way back in Jesus Christ. Because no one who believes in Jesus Christ, who belongs to Christ's body, can possibly be cursed by God. For Christ has already been cursed. No one who believes the word of God concerning his Son will go to hell because Christ already experienced all the anguish, shame, and humiliation for us and in our place. We sometimes forget about the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ when we look at our lives and we think about all the things we have done, all the things we are struggling with, our own weakness. We can get pretty hard on ourselves, or we can get pretty hard on our children, get very worked up about what people think of us, but we forget that there is no condemnation for those who belong to God in Jesus Christ. We forget that when we look at ourselves, we forget that when we look at others, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. We have crossed over from death to life. And then we reflect this in our lives when we stop making it sound like the kingdom of heaven is a place that we have to somehow get to and start understanding more and more that we already are citizens of the kingdom of heaven in Jesus Christ. He said it is finished. He said, he cried out, why did God forsake him so that you would know that he was forsaken? The payment for our guilt and sins has been made. He earned what we may enjoy. So let's enjoy it. Each day the Lord has given to us is a new day in his service. Let us rejoice in the grace of God, in Christ's death, which paid for the guilt of our sins, in Christ's righteousness that is counted as our own, in the eternity of peace, reconciliation, and joy with God our Father. This life there is suffering. Loved ones may die. We may get sick. We may lose money. We may have trouble. Struggling against our sins. We may be persecuted. One day we all here may die too if Christ doesn't return first. But do you know what? We never have to suffer in separation from God. Because Jesus Christ's suffering 
is completely unique and different and effective. And it changes what suffering means for us for all eternity. This is what we mean when we confess that he suffered. It's a triumphant confession of a weary church. It's an utterance of hope by a sinful people. It's a joyful declaration by a people saved from eternal damnation and brought into God's grace, righteousness, and eternal life. What we enjoy, and let us enjoy it, Christ has already obtained. Amen. We'll sing in response Psalm 31, stanzas 11, 12, 13, and 14. And we'll sing this psalm standing, if you're able to stand, psalm of praise to God for his uh, abundant goodness. He's our shelter, the, the one we put our hope in as we consider together his amazing mercy toward us. Psalm 31, stanzas 11, 12, 13, and 14. 